Okay, Shalom Avracha to everybody. Thank you so much for joining. Huge special welcome to what appears to be my very beloved mother-in-law, unless it happens to be somebody else with the very same name. So it's so wonderful to have you with us. Thanks for joining. And to everybody else who's joining us today for our Sichas around Shir, Be'ezus Hashem, our learning together, as always, these, these weeks should be a tremendous zechus, a merit for all the Yoshve Eretz Yisrael, and particularly our Chayalim and Chayalot, our brothers and sisters, who are putting themselves on the line to fight evil with, uh, with, with courage that we can't even imagine. And Hashem should protect them, and Hashem should give them everything that they need to be able to do their, their holy and sacred work. Be'ezus Hashem. And... Um, for all of Am Yisrael. We all need it desperately. So let's try to do our bit. Let's try to do our part by adding more light and trying to battle our inner enemy, to move ourselves up the ladder, rung by rung, toward Kirvas Elokim, toward closeness with Hashem. So let me share my screen and we'll jump into our teaching for today which is from Sichas Haran, of course, the Sefer that we've been learning now for quite some time together. And today we're up to teaching 81, to pay Aleph. So the Tzadik continues on a theme that he had already been speaking about in the previous teaching, which we learned together, I think, I, th I don't know if we learned last week, or maybe it was two weeks ago, I can't remember which was speaking about the tremendous power that the human being has. That the human being, we learned, can sometimes have even more sway in a, in a positive but also in a negative sense than another human being can. I'm sorry, than the Yitzhahara himself can, than the Satan itself can. That people have a tremendous capacity, chas v'shalom, to sway people away from serving Hashem. And we learned, if you remember that teaching from Reb Nassim in Lukuti Alachas about David and Goliath and about what a, what a war really looks like. When it relates to the Jewish nation, it's not about physicality because the Jewish nation is, an, is not about physicality. It's not about bodies. It's not about human beings. It's about faith because the Jewish nation is only about faith. That's our lifeblood. That's our premise for being, emunah. That's what it's all about. It's all about emuna. That is the battle that we are fighting every split second of our lives, whether to give in to the illusion of the absence of Hashem and begin to identify with the physical body, which causes us to identify with the physical element of this worldliness. And then our whole perspective on life is focused downward into the into the physical like gravity pulls everything into the into the dirt into the dust or on the contrary are we going to somehow find the strength to battle against what is so easy to fall into and to hold strong to the belief that Hashem is present not despite the physicality of the world but through the physicality of the world and we shift our perspective in terms of how we view the human condition that shifts and transforms everything. And we begin to identify with the soul inside of us, which enables us then 
which enables us then to identify the soul in the world and we see through the illusion and we're able to connect to that which we were sent to this world to connect to and to live a life of, of clarity and of elevation and of openness and dvekas to Hashem. That's the, whole, that's the whole premise of the Jewish nation. That's why we're here. That's called Emuna. And so Rav Nassan had taught us that any time that Am Yisrael is in a war, even though, of course, it's, it's a, a physical element in terms of like how things play out in the Olam HaAsiyah, in the physical realm, but much more deeply, what it's really about, like we learned, is really just about Emuna. It's really about being able to stand firmly rooted in what is true and what is eternal and what is good despite how much darkness we may be faced with. And so Rabbi Nachman continues with that theme in the next teaching, Sichas Ran Pei Aleph, and he says the following, B'nai Adam, I doubled over, it should just be, B'nai Adam, heim maynim g'daylim ma'id. Human beings can become, chas v'shalom, incredible obstacles toward others being able to access a life of, 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 of Kirvas Elohim. Could be Mainim Gedoilimaid. Veda, Rabbi Nachman goes so far as to say that Imhaya Adam Levadai, Veloyhaya Etzlebene Adam Achirim Lemanai, if a person was alone, Mamish alone, not just alone, you know, not around other physical people in a house or in a community, but just away from culture, away from external influences, opinions, perspectives, oh, a mamish alone. Even though then too, as a human being, a composite between body and soul, he or she would also experience many kinds of confusions and many kinds of delusions and many kinds of possible, possible um, or the possibility of, of denying that there's Hashem in the world and being drawn after the short-lived yearnings of the, of the guf, of the body. And they'd meet with many other kinds of obstacles, one of which primarily is laziness. That's just a result of our physical element, the body that, like we said before, is attracted by gravity. Gravity seeks to pull everything down. And so that's where the, 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 um, the Baal Tanya tells us, based on Rav Chaim Vital and Narizal, that that's where laziness comes from. Laziness comes from the earth, right? Because laziness seeks to, to pull us down in such a way that we feel like gravity has an extra strong pull on us. And that's where the Shulchan Aruch begins. And the Mishnah Brewer over there speaks in very great detail about the battle that each and every one of us have when we get up in the morning. Should I, should I get out of bed with alacrity and go quickly and, and wash and make and then if I can, I can daven or find some other way to begin my day with holiness. Or, and all of us know what this feels like, the, the billions of reasons that we have, we have like all philosophical treatises in bed in the morning about why I should really stay in bed and I went to bed too late last night and, and if I get up now, then I'm just going to be tired later and so let me give it another hour. And this battle, Mamasha battle, literally a war that takes place in our brains, and our consciousness every morning 
every person would already experience all of that just by virtue of them being, again, a composite between body and soul because that's what the body wants. The body wants to cover over the light of the soul. The body wants to prevent the light of the soul from revealing itself. The body made out of afar min adama, made out of earthliness, is the element of laziness and sadness and trying to drag everything, both physically and metaphorically, down. So the person would experience that. But Afal Pikain, says Rabbi Nachman, if a person was just alone with zero external influence, a very powerful statement, if a person was mamish alone, Afal Pikain bevadai hayamata atzmoy lederechachayim. Eventually, the person would be able to turn themselves, mata atzmoy, to turn themselves toward derechachayim, toward the path of life. He says, it may take a very long time, but in the end, they would, they would get there. Every human being would get there. The light of the soul is infinitely more powerful than the light of the body. And on the contrary, the person would be compelled to such a seeking, in as much, again, as a person is a mature, conscious, responsible person who's thinking about life, the light of the soul would eventually bring them to the realization that the body is actually not there to hold back the light of the soul. On the contrary, the body is there to allow the light of the soul to manifest. But the soul has to be in the driver's seat, not the, not the opposite. But Rabbi Nachman says, Sof kol sof, in the end, he would eventually turn consistently toward the path that is true, the path that is right, the path, the path that is just. Even if such a person would commit some kind of momentary lapse, a, a, a turning away from being aligned with the Kodesh Baruch in the deepest way, missing, as we like to say, Aver isn't like a sin, it's uh, to be over, to pass over an opportunity to remember, oh, there's a Hashem in the world. That's what Averis are there for, right? Sur ra. It gives me the opportunity to look at that and say, that's not what Hashem wants me to do and to turn away. So it's an opportunity for Dvekus. That's what, that's what los ases are. And of course, all the more so, ase tov, a, a, a mitzvah literally means, tzavsa means connection. So even if the person would commit some kind of, of passage, where they missed out on an opportunity for dveikus, it would not take long for the person to literally come to a deep sense of regret and understanding that that's not what I want and that's not reflective of the MS and that's not what Hashem created the world for and that's not why I'm in it. And this would be the case each and every time. And again, at the end of this process of struggle, because the body would still be there, so the person would be dragged down from time to time. At the end of the day, the person would end that whole process with the truth. If a person, again, was alone. But when a person is surrounded by culture, any kind of culture, just again, I'm not speaking about a particular culture, the culture of human beings where there are other people. And the element of our physicality is therefore magnified by virtue of the fact that we reflect off of each other. And therefore I stop recognizing that my being is essentially spiritual consciousness 
Because when I look at another person, I see, I see their physicality. I see a, a human being. And all of a sudden, I, I already, just by looking at another person and seeing their, their goof, when a person's alone, again, absent a mirror or some other kind of reflective uh, surface, it's just our eyes don't see the body. They just, it's just pure consciousness. Okay, we can look down at our, at our body. But in terms of the way that we function, the way that we identify, it's just, it's just soul. But put in front of us the face of another human being, already there's a challenge. Already there's an isayon. How am I going to look upon this person? And then the, there's two people, then it's already normal. Three people, oh, we're this thing called the, uh, human beings. And there are so many of us, and each of us are just different kinds of creatures that exist in this worldliness. Add to that a culture of secularism or a culture of physical orientation and it becomes very difficult, very difficult to hold on to the light of emuna. When there are confusing trends of thought within each and every culture, and certainly this is true when a person binds themselves to those that would appear to be wise, that would appear to be cultured, that would appear to have intelligence and intellect and really have thought very deeply about what this world is and came up with some kind of sophisticated conclusion that religion is the, is the you know, the the worst malady in mankind and we have to move past this and and now we, we you know we we are so much more evolved that have some kind of philosophical notion of the world where we can do without god so to speak which is essentially what philosophy means it's the premise that the human brain is able in and of itself to grasp the totality of what the human experience is what it is which is already founded on the arrogance of the goof of the body, contrary to the soul which sees itself fundamentally as a spark of a much, much larger, infinite torch. Oilekatalitzim, which is perhaps even worse. Katalitzim is the scoffers, those who are cynical, those who make light of, of, of everything, that speaks in the name of holiness, that speaks in the name of truth. At that time, the enlightenment was, was, was really just beginning to really kick off. That ultimately led to, to major parts of Am Yisrael falling away until this day. And now it's already seen as, oh yeah, whatever, there are, there are just three kinds of Jews, you know, Orthodox, Reform, and Conservative. And and like this was true historically. People don't know the history. These two movements, reform and conservative, are, 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 are almost brand new in the scheme of 2,000 years of exile. Their great, great, great grandparents were Orthodox Jews. And if it wasn't great, 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 then go back one more generation. You understand? There, there was no such thing. There only is Torah Judaism. I don't like using the word orthodoxy because I think that's too, it's too cultural already and sectarian. But to be Jewish without the Torah is, is, what is it then? What is it then? Put your finger on what it means to be a Jew without the Torah. Wh where is it? Is it Israel? So what was it before Israel? What, what exactly is it? 
So we have to wake up to this realization of Baruch Hashem, we are woken up and we have to do our part to help to speak to Jews, obviously in a, in a gentle, understanding, inclusive, uh, welcoming way. But we can not either allow our efforts to try to bring Jews close to cause us to obfuscate the truth of what Yiddishkeit actually is. Because otherwise we'll just be feeding them a lot of really good meals and giving them a ton of really good fun and great times. But like... At, but then what? Like, what is it? We have to feel comfortable saying the MS. The Torah is MS. It is the lifeblood of our nation. Hashem sits at the foundation of, of Yiddishkeit, without which it's literally a culture and really not a very exciting one, to be totally honest. Like, there are many, many more exciting uh, exotic cultures than gefilte fish and bagels and, you know, and, and bar mitzvahs and, and whatever. You know, there, there's got to be more to it, and there is more to it. And there is more to it. So in Ramnasen's time, it was like the, the Katlitzim, where they made every effort to cast the religious Jew as a backward, archaic, ancient uh, symbol of all that was causing anti-Semitism. Everybody knows at this point in history with the 2020 vision of retrospect that not only wasn't it the case, in fact, it might have been the opposite. The more Jews tried to assimilate and to integrate and to, and to demonstrate to the world that we are just like you, the more that they were despised, hated, attacked, and persecuted. I don't know if you've guys seen that clip that was going around from the Knesset speaker. It was like a seven-minute clip. You must see this. If you, if you have my personal contact and you have not seen this clip, please reach out to me and I will, I will send it to you. This clip from, I, I don't know, I don't remember her name, one of the Chavri um, Knesset, who's speaking about that family of that soldier who was kidnapped and was freed, and about how her whole perspective on Emuna shifted when she was able to see what Emuna was able to do for a family that might as well have gone out, out of their kalim from grief and fear and, and anger and horror and trauma that we can't even begin to, to, to put into words. But the tmimus, the sweetness, the strength, the courage, the clarity of people who mamish, not just by, by lip service, who live with emuna. She said so perfectly in the clip. I, it, honestly, one of the most powerful things I've seen of all the very powerful clips and footage that, that are coming out of this horrible and, and also very, very beautiful time. She said, you know, take all of the best trends within all the spiritual traditions around the world, Zen Buddhism and Hinduism and, and this ism and that ism and, 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 you know, mindfulness meditation of every kind and, and everything. She said, it doesn't, come, it doesn't come close to the intensity of the power of our simple faith that the world was created by a conscious creator who seeks a relationship with us and who does only good. That's it. And everything else, everything else is commentary. So Rav Nassim was living at a time where there was a Kat Leitzim who sought to uproot that from within our people. 
And if you uproot that from within our people, then you uprooted our people because we're not much more than this. And the whole world is not much more than this. Because what else is it all about? What else is it all for? So says Rabbi Nassim and Rabbi Nachman, Bnei Adam Hamavalbalim, this is really, really, really tough. It is a really challenging obstacle to deal with. That they don't understand it. And they look at it again as being backward, archaic, and, and probably even harmful to the Jewish nation and to humanity. He says, as is known to a person who's an expert in this kind of philosophy and this kind of cynicism. Zeus Hamaniyah Vahabilbul says, Rabbi Nachman, this obstacle and this confusion, there is nothing more detrimental to the pure striving of a soul that seeks to become manifest within a body in the, in the hope of allowing their, that human's consciousness to become expanded enough to be able to perceive the soul within the physicality, within the body of all of life. Not just nature, all of life, meaning time and, and every experience and every circumstance and every encounter, godliness, emuna, Hashem's presence. There is no greater obstacle to that than the obstacle that is presented by other humans who are not plugged into that kind of perspective. And certainly when that voice is magnified and magnified and magnified on a cultural level, that that perspective is sidelined, stepped upon, castigated, and again, this word, late son, is mocked. That's incredibly challenging. These kinds of perspectives are, 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 are much more confusing and much more impassable they block much more strongly than anything else. Because when a person is drawn into this, so all of a sudden, they're not alone. And the voice of the majority speaks. And this is what everyone is doing. And so that feeling, that niggling feeling, that small, still voice, that called mamadaka of the soul, that rises from time to time within the human consciousness to suggest that maybe there's a better way to do this. Maybe there's a better way to live. When the person's on their own, so it has an impact. And they have to contend with it. They have to deal with it. They have to give it airtime. But when a person is just going along with a sea of humanity, and we're seeing this happen today, so that capacity to engage with that inner voice is, is completely crippled and that voice is muted. Because look, everyone else is doing it. And the masses can't be wrong. I mean, 100,000 people protesting in central London can't be wrong. I mean, this is the way that society is, is flowing. They have support. And each one of them, and this is the crazy thing, there is no leader. Each one of them is, 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 is playing this game for the others. And one person again, would crumble in the face of the strength of the human spirit and the clarity and the light that it seeks to 
infuse the human being with. They couldn't handle it. Not for an extended period of time. But when you have two people, each of them provide with the up for the other cover so that each mutually can shy away from that inner voice. And now they give each other strength and already we're in it together. And the worst, lowest common denominator of either is magnified and brought out to the surface. Because not, it's not just you anymore. That this kind of perspective, this sophisticated, arrogant perspective, based on the premise that the human being who didn't create this world and would readily admit that if they were given a chance to, to consciously run the systems of their bodies, we've said this in the past, they would die in an instant. They would die in an instant. That means that there are things happening that are keeping me and you alive and listening to the words that I'm saying and me talking and both of us focusing and learning, taking information that we are simply not in control of. That if we were to be given control of, we couldn't. And that's true for every single human being. There's not one rational human being that if pressed wouldn't admit to that. That there are miracles taking place that we don't even think about. The arrogance of the human. And now we, with our puny little tiny minds that can't, forget about, can't grasp the world, but can't even manage our own internal functioning, now is going to think that it and it alone can reveal the truth about this mystery called life. Says Rebbe philosophy, I mean, it's poison. That's mamish poison. And also all this kind of cynicism. That's the opposite of the whole Breslover spirit, which is really, again, it's the Jewish spirit of simplicity, of tmimas. Yaakov ishtam, yoshevahalim, of anivas, of bitl, of kavod. The glow of the moon. That's in a certain way so much stronger and so much more beautiful than the great light of the sun. It's just... Yafa Kalavana. That's the Jewish spirit. That's the Jewish spirit. Yafa Kalavana. Silent, stoic dignity. That is the torch that you and I carry. Chachmas Vilitsanas, boisterous, loud, belligerent, cynical laughter. It's, it's something that's foreign to the Jewish spirit. My neshama doesn't know of it. Your neshama doesn't know of it. Nor did those of your grandparents and great-grandparents throughout the ages. It's just not a part of the Jewish spirit. And if we find Jews exhibiting this kind of behavior, it is a result of external influences. It's completely foreign to our national consciousness. Our national consciousness is again one of, of softness, Gentleness, pleasantness, sweet, patient, open, nuanced, understanding, etc., etc. Tmimos, Yaakov Ish Tam, Yoshev Ohalam. And so, Chachmas Sanas, it's the opposite of that. It's so opposite of that that our arch enemy. Amalek is described in the Medrash 
by the word lates. Amalek is called the lates. It's the opposite of what the Jewish nation is. It's a foreign element within our communities that there is sometimes a spirit of cynicism toward other kinds of Jews, toward other kinds of avodah Hashem. It's, it's a foreign element. It's, it's contrary to the Jewish spirit. The Jewish spirit is a spirit of openness and humility, tamimus. So he says, And they might look on the outside, even if they come from within the, so to speak, the Torah world. So they appear to be anashim k'sherim. But the way that they carry themselves is in a way of sophistication and arrogance and, and not bitl to tzaddikim and not iskashus to the emes. That's also damaging. Says Rebbe Nachman, at the end of the day, it's all one thing. Because the cynicism and the and the sarcastic approach that looks down upon the more simple or simpl seemingly simplistic elements of Yiddishkeit, as it always was, as Jews lived and died for. He says, The foundation is the same as the secularist approaches to the world, at least captured in modern philosophy. It's the same thing. At the root of it, so we're going to see from Rav Nassim in a minute, is Gaiva. At the root of it is the delusion that we are independent. And that either on the side of philosophy, we don't need any book or any previous generation to guide us and to tell us and to provide insight into what this world is all about. Thank you very much. We can figure it out for ourselves on the one hand. And on the other hand, it's rooted in this sense that we are so much brighter and so much more evolved and so much more developed than others that we then have the right to make little of their their way of of life. It's the, it's the same thing. He says, really, leitzanus is even worse. Everybody knows, you know, this is not something that a person should be studying in any in any serious way, at least not to gain insight from it. When we understand that. The whole Torah runs contrary to that. He says that it's not something that people are really falling into. That it brings a person and it has brought modern society or postmodernist society, certainly up to the Holocaust and, and, and currently the, the way that the pseudo-academic institutions, can you imagine? Academia, these are moral people. These are, these are very bright people who can't figure out why there's not a moral equivalence between Israel and, and Hamas. It's unbelievable. These are, these are very intelligent people, very bright people, right, who sit at the helm of, of, of the largest educational institutions in the Western world. Everybody knows that that brings a person to Shaul Tachtis. Everyone knows that that leads to moral rot, and I would even say moral vertigo, where up becomes down and down becomes up, and the oppressed becomes the oppressor, etc., etc. 
Everybody knows who wants to have anything to do with that anymore? And that's one of the big awakenings that's happening, by the way. People who felt so politically and societally and culturally, culturally aligned with the left, with, with all of what the left is. And all of a sudden, they're like, wait a second. Are these the same people? What? That's what's happening now. It's certainly happening in Israel. And I think it's happening in the States as well. So he says that people have already stayed away from. Rahman al-Litzlan. Avalzois But when it, it when it wears a you know a religious garb and it takes the form of mocking other kinds of authentic paths in Avodas Hashem that are aligned with those paths that were walked by the generations before us and the generations before them that kept Jews steady, locked into this historic mission that you and I have, that you have and I have always had, that you and I will always have until the coming of Mashiach. So then already, I mean, listen, he's a Rosh Hashiva, you know. So what are you going to do? He's, he's a really religious person. And maybe we start to think that this is also part of our Masorah. You can say that, I don't want to say just a Rosh Hashim. You can say that a Rebbe also. Any kind of, of, of this energy of Leitzanas. They came from the mouth of, of a big Tamar Chacham or a big, a big you know, Manik or Mashpia or Tzadik. And they find a way of clothing the poisonous element of, of, of division and of hatred and of looking down upon and of and of minimizing and 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 mocking all this stuff in such a way where it would seem like they're saying the truth but even if they are saying the truth again here's the point all the while that it is expressed utilizing the framework or tool of late sanos so then, even, even if there's truth to what they're saying, the very form of the way in which what they're saying is being said is contrary to our Masorah. Because that's not the way that Jews talk. So even if a person disagrees with, with another Rav, there's a way of doing that in a Jewish way. And there's a way of doing that in such a way where chas v'shalom, we're giving over to our students and to our children a consciousness that's the opposite of Tamimus. And that's a very dangerous thing to do. Very dangerous. Because then we could lose our special spark. And chas v'shalom, when the moon stops glowing, it's just a rock. It's just a rock. And boy, do we need a glow now more than ever. We need our glow. We need our shine. We need our sweetness, our gentleness, our openness, our... Are, are, I'm having a hard time finding like the word for it, but I don't know. What would you say? Our delicate Jewish spirit of goodwill and openness and honesty and, and dignity. Not chas v'shalom to, to come into, into any kind of, of, of realm of leitzanus, which is poison. So that's, people are not going to run away from such leaders like that. And that can prevent a person from really serving Hashem with wholeheartedness. Which means, as the Katsuka says, there's nothing as whole as a broken heart. 
So it prevents us from serving Hashem with brokenheartedness. That that's the point, which means humility, bittel. Because otherwise, we could still be serving Hashem, but in our minds, we, we're thinking, I'm such an Ovid Hashem. I have the truth. Nobody else has the truth. You know, and, 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 it's, and it's, it's antithetical. It's counterproductive. It's the opposite of what Hashem actually intends for us engaging with Avodah Hashem with Yiddishkeit. So that could prevent a person from serving God with MS. Rabbi Nachman and Rabbi Nachman end with a declaration. Fortunate is the Jew who manages to walk on the path that is not only true, but is emes la amita is the truth within the truth. Veliyos, what does that mean? To be tam v'yashar. To be wholesome, tam. To all the different uh, uh, descriptive adjectives that we just used earlier, all the different things that we said, what, what that means to be a tam, the yashar, which we spoke about in our shir, I think it was four weeks ago now, right after this whole crazy... Melchama began in this world. It changed everything. To be Yashar. Remember what we spoke about then? It's just, same is true now. To preserve our, our Jewish compassion. Remember we spoke about that? Within this, within this, to feel two things at once without losing focus on where the truth is. To be a Yireh Alekim, to be aware of Hashem's presence and humbled by it. The Sar Meirah. And to stay away from that which is the opposite of, of Tmimos and Yashris and Yerashamayim. Belishim Chachmas Klal. Without any sophistication. Because even religious sophistication is already lacking in the religious content of the Torah even if it's religious sophistication. Because again, the whole point of religiosity is to bring a person to bittel. It's to bring a person to anivas, to bring a person to gentleness, to bring a person to awareness, to bring a person to brokenheartedness. So it's like, a, it's like an oxymoron to have a, a proudly self-righteous, truly religious Jew. It's, it's oxymoronic. It's, 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 it can't be. It's, it's a contrast to what Hashem intended when He gave us the Torah, which is to, to bring us deeper and further, especially what we're experiencing now, into the realization, I am not in control. I'm only just beginning. I don't know where the truth is. I'm a seeker, and I help other people seek. And I know what I stand for in terms of my principles, but part of those principles is the realization that there's so much that I don't know. That's the point of all of this. That's what the Noam Elimelech says of last week's parsha. Vayera a love Hashem. Hashem appears to Avram who Yoshev Pesach Oil and Avram Avinu is sitting at the opening of his tent. Says the Noam Elimelech, it's not just speaking about Avram Avinu; it's speaking about me and you. Vayera, and that's maybe that's why he doesn't say Avram; it just says to him or to her. It means to, to all of us. Vayera a love Hashem. Says the, the Noam Elimelech, do you know when Hashem appears in your life? You know what kind of person merits to have God appear, so to speak, to that person? 
It's a person who despite however much they feel that they've accomplished in Avodah Hashem, they are perpetually sitting at the opening of the gate. They recognize and realize, I'm just beginning, like David HaMelech. Like David HaMelech, Pischuli Sharet Tzedek. We're talking about a tzaddik, a goin, a yerushamayim, on the highest madrega. What was his tefillah? Hashem, open the gates for me. Open the gates. That is the, that is the encapsulation of the Jewish spirit of Tmimas. Belishem chachmas klal. Shattering all sophisticated, ideological, uh, big, fancy, alternate ways of living. Tamimus. Let's take a look at the Mesilas Yasharim in Parakeh, where the Mesilas Yasharim at length speaks about this. The tremendous danger of connecting ourselves to those who are not going in the path of Tamimus. And the Hilgar Amchal says as follows, Hamafsara Shlishi. The mafsed ashlisha, the third thing that's going to prevent a person from zihirus, from being careful, from being careful, from living life carefully, deliberately, consciously, maturely, huachevra. It's all about who you hang around with, who you surround yourself with, who you who you surround, who you identify with. He says a society of fools and therefore sinners, because there is no sinner, there's just a fool. There's just a person who obviously doesn't understand. That's going to prevent a person from being able to live a careful life. A person who befriends fools is going to end up connecting to a path that's going to take him further away from where he wants to go spiritually. He says, we've seen that even after a person begins the spiritual growth process and they begin to clarify certain things and really reflect on life. What's the meaning? What's the purpose? Look at history. What's this all been about? What's the world's fascination with the Jews? What's the world's fascination with Israel? What has taken place in this world? from the beginning of history until this moment, when a person begins to have a little bit of clarity into where the truth is. And it's become clear to the person, that it's really important to take Yiddishkeit seriously, the Torah seriously, Hashem seriously, spiritual growth seriously, kindness seriously, uh, uh, everything that we speak about, and to be careful about it. Says the Ramchal, even after a person begins to walk down that path, he can or she can become weakened in this, or will not be able to truly maximize their growth in many aspects of it, in order, just so that, because what will they say? What will my friends think? Or to better their social standing. Why would somebody want to do that? Because presumably I can only be happy if I have friends, right? Every, everyone needs a social, a, 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 a social setting, a, 
Chavra Hashem created us in such a way. We're social beings. We're social souls. But what a counterintuitive thing. Because if in seeking happiness in society, I'm ignoring and I'm shutting out the voice inside of me that's hollering from deep, deep, deep under piles and piles and piles of rubble and dust, that there is only one way of being happy in this world, content in this world, and that is the way of connecting to Hashem through the Eitzahs, through the advice and the teachings of our tzaddikim. That that's where contentment lies and everything beyond that is, I'm still going to be miserable, so then what did I gain? What did I gain then? I'm still miserable. I'm miserable anyway. And this is what Shleim HaMelech warns us, saying, with dissenters, do not tisari, do not mix with them. Even though the Gemara and Ksubis tells us that a person, of course, should be we should be open to the whole world, we should be full of love toward humanity, we should do everything in our power to share the light of dignity and dialogue and mutual understanding and see, and, and see where other people really are coming from and what they feel and what they hold, which is always going to be so much more nuanced and complicated than what the legacy mainstream media organizations, Lemi Nahum, are capitalizing on the lowest common denominator of the human capacity for, in, for, for, for uh, processing information. And so just little sound bites, they're going to capture hugely complicated uh, concepts and just that's, that must be what every single Jew feels or that must be what every single Arab thinks. It's ridiculous. It's mamish ridiculous. We need to open dialogue. We need to open. How, how is it going to bring the world closer to Tikkun when on the contrary, I assume that every Arab walking in the street wants to kill me and they assume that every Jew uh, uh, thinks that they're subhumans. How is that going to bring the world closer to peace exactly? So on the contrary, we need to be mu'uriv imabrius. We need to be open. We need to be, again, filled with the Jewish spirit of goodwill. Even as we clearly identify evil and do everything that we can in our power to eradicate it on behalf of the world that will do everything in its power to prevent us from doing so. What a crazy world we live in. But that's what's taking place. I apologize if I'm speaking a bit stronger than usual. But I'm, I'm just, I, I'm bewildered by what's going on. And so this is my energy right now. I apologize. But that's what I'm feeling, right? It's crazy. It's totally crazy. So what should we do? We should climb into bed and cover our head with our pillow, you know, and, 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 and you know, wake me up when, what was the song? When, Dece uh, when December ends? No, it was another month. Anyway, what should we do? We need to add light. That's it. That's the only answer. That's the only answer. So we need to be mu'urvim abrias. But But what kind of people should we be mu'urv with? You find human beings to be mu'urv with. But not with people that are that are that are acting in a way that's subhuman, or in a way that's not going to contribute to my ambition to become as human as I can become. That's not who Chazal were talking about when they said that that's what I, who I should hang out with all the time. That's who I should identify with. No. doesn't mean that I can't interact with them for the purpose of furthering this aim of maybe helping them, but even that can be a little bit dangerous and detrimental. A person has to be careful when doing quote-unquote kirov because before you know it, you know, who's influencing who, 
Rabbi Nachman speaks about that explicitly in the Kutumran. So we have to be careful and, and rooted in, in, in clarity. But at the same time, in terms of a social scene, what kind of people do I want in my life? And today that we live so much of our lives, at least for many of us, on our phones, what kind of people do I want on my social media? It's like we have the opportunity. You know, Facebook, just using that as an example, is a great metaphor for the world. Because people who are friends with all kinds of lowly or immature or, on the contrary, crude individuals will say Facebook is so full of hate and Facebook is so full of a filth and that's that's what Facebook is and it's like no no it, it's just it's just your friends with all those people so that's what your feed is going to look like because my Facebook looks different because that, that's just not my social scene that that's not who I hang around with so it's not Facebook it's just who do you choose to interact with like who who do you choose to surround yourself by and it's the same thing with this world. Who do we choose to allow to accompany us on this epic journey that we call 120 years of human consciousness? It's our choice. Let's choose wisely. Let's find people to connect with, to look up to, to... to, to to befriend, it's such a good midah. I have so many friends like that. It's such a good midah, people. That it's not just, you know, there's a person who, who gives shirim online, let's say, or a certain rav or a certain gadol. And they're, 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 you know, they suffice just with listening to the shirim. Get to know these people then. And there's a spirit like that in so many young people today. They want to build relationships with people. Who, who, they, who they see are, are living it. They, they, they want to surround themselves with these people. They want that when they go on their WhatsApp status, instead of looking at just inane stupidity, that they should see messages of Torah. They see, should see messages of Emunah. They, they should see the messages that are just reminding them all the time. There's Hashem of the world. There's Hashem of the world. Just keep on adding light. Don't waste time. Don't waste your life. You know, etc., etc. V'chule. So it's, it's up to us. So says says um, Shlom HaMelech, or David Amalekh, be careful. Ashria Isha Shaloya Halach Ba'atas Sharm of Darachatam, like Amar of Mesh of Lates of Loyashav, like the Pasik right at the beginning of Tehillim tells us. And it's David Amalekh's book because David Amalekh, like we said before, was the Ish Hatam. He, he was, he was Pishuli Sharit Sadik. He was the humblest of the humble in Kabbalah. He's connected to the last Hey of Yud Kevavke, which is Malchus, which is just receiving. He's the element of earth, which is the, just the humblest element that everyone steps on the ground, but the ground gives us all the most incredible grain and crops and vegetation and flowers and everything beautiful. That's David Amalekh. So, how does David Amalekh open his book? He says, be very careful. Who did not walk with people who were unseemly. And did not stand with those who were, who were, who were devoted to a life of sin. And did not sit among people who felt it to be their need to make fun and to mock and to scoff at everything holy and good. Say Chazal, three things are mentioned in this Pasuk. Walking, standing, and sitting. Say Chazal, Im Halach. If you're just going to walk with them, 
Sifalamidi, you're gonna end up standing with them. It's not not just you're not just walking, you know, a little bit. You're gonna end up standing. The imamad, and once you're standing with them, sifalishiv, we're gonna end up pulling up a chair. The Chazal had such an insight into human nature. They understood. They said, so that's what it means. Make a siag because the body is very wily. It's like a fox. It's very, very sly. So be careful. So be very, very careful. And David Amalek says, I didn't sit with with those whose goal was vanity. I despised gatherings of people who gathered for lowliness. So the Mesil Sharm says, So what does a Jew want in this world? Halavai, we should shout this from the rooftops. Instead of being anti-anti-Semitism, we should, we should be so pro-Semitic. That's the way to battle. We don't battle darkness with darkness. We should be so pro-Semitic. If only we could show the world who we are and what we believe and what we want. Halavai. So what does a Jew want? Says the Mesil Sharm. This is not propaganda. This is not, he's not outward facing just to like show the world. This is Mesil Susharim. This is for me and for you. This is the truth. What does Yiddishkeit want from us? The goal of this is not to cause other people to become religious, is not to cause the whole world to, to come to, to this and that by force. The primary thing first and foremost, is I just want to become a little bit more pure. I want to become clean. The eternal people in every generation sought one thing and one thing only. To avoid becoming sunken in and rooted within the Havle Hazman, the vanity of this or that era, this or that culture. That's what it means that we're an Am HaNetzach. Netzach Yisrael lo yishaker. We gracefully skipped over, again, those who were connected to the Torah, gracefully in every generation skipped over each and every great gigantic social movement and 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 the winds of whatever era it was that blew and we looked and we had a little bit of a of a, of a knowing smile on our face and they faded and we carried on in the same way that we always ever carried on because the MS is the MS is the MS doesn't change because it's not subject to human will or to human uh, uh, perspective. It's just the truth. It's just the MS. And this is the truth. It's just the MS. So what did we want as an eternal people? We wanted to prevent ourselves and our children from wasting time. The Yashiv Raglov, and the one thing that every Jew ever sought to do is to turn our feet away from those who are not contributing to the well-being of the world, the consciousness of, human, of humanity, and perpetuating cycles of loneliness and fear and anxiety and impurity and, and hatred and division and cruelty, etc., etc., etc. We've wanted to turn our legs away from that, and we've wanted to proceed al-chatr Hashem ve'al mishkan into the courtyards of Emuna. 
who should David Atzmei Messiah? Because David Amalek concludes those psukim saying, I will wash my hands with cleanliness and I will walk humbly around your Mizbeach. That's all the Jew ever wanted to do. And in his humble way, bring the world toward the recognition that not, not that we are chosen, but that humanity is chosen. That's what the chosen nation was chosen to do, to show every human that we are all chosen. We are not animals. We can be bigger than a dog or a cat or a hamster or a, or a, or a wolf. We're humans. We're created in the image of God. We have free choice. We could turn this place into paradise. We can manifest utopia. We can get to a place where nations stop fighting each other. And where the world can live in peace. That's what we were chosen to do. That's what it means we're chosen. Not to feel entitled and arrogant, but to show the whole world that, that we collectively are one family. We are chosen. That's all that we've ever wanted. When a person finds himself in a, in a setting or in a circumstance where people are laughing at him, not to pay any attention to it, on the contrary, to find a way of laughing at those who are laughing at us. If he had not right now an opportunity to make tons and tons and tons of money, Oh, because his friends are laughing at him and they think it's weird that he found some strange loophole that all of a sudden now he's able to make so much money even though it's not such a dignified thing. A million dollars is a million dollars. A person's not really going to care so much if people are laughing at him. We should never, ever, ever lose our souls because some ignorant person is, is, is mocking no way. Valderach says, he Rizal, and this is what the Gemara says, and Aves have az kanamer, lasis ritzayna vicha shabashamayim, be bold like a leopard to do the will of Hashem, our Father, our Creator in heaven and on earth. David says, I will speak your words of Torah and morality in the presence of the kings of the world, and I was not embarrassed, I will not be embarrassed. Says the Messiah Sisharim, what does that mean? We'll finish with this. What do you think the kings were speaking about? Take a look in history. All the great heroes. Take a look. It just takes reading Wikipedia articles. It's not big research. Just read about some of the national heroes of other nations. What kind of lives did these people leave? Read about it. Not from the standpoint of liberalism, where it's a disaster the way that these people treated women, and etc. Outside of that, on a simple moral level, were these great people? Or were these people in positions of greatness, not having deserved an iota of the honor that they were afforded. Contrast them to our tzaddikim. Alexander the Great, I'm, I'm telling you, go and read about the life of Alexander the Great, who is seen as, as oh, this noble conqueror. They even call him the Great. Go read about his life. 
Let's read about his life. Let's see. Let's see what these kings were, were all about. Let's see how they lived and let's see what they were interested in and let's see what they spent their time with. And they spent their times talking about how great they were, their own personal arrogance, and physical pleasures. David must have gotten together with them in, you know, in, in whatever setting, meetings with different dignitaries, kings. They're all sitting around and talking about debauchery, and he's sitting there talking about the development of the human being and about the capacity for all people to transcend send our physical element? It would be a busha. That he shouldn't also get into those conversations with them? But David HaMelech is saying, he didn't worry about this a bit. And he did not allow his heart to become swayed by these vanities. Because he was living with the truth. So what does he care? Again he says, Yes, in the context of the kings of the world, I will speak the truth for Avash and I won't be embarrassed. They don't have the kalim to handle it. It's on them. It's not on me. I'm an eternal spirit. Part of an eternal people whose message is more relevant now than it ever was before. For Yeshayo, and that's what Yeshayo says again, and I placed my face like a, like a pillar, like a wall. I'll never be swayed. I'll never be swayed. This is what we need now more than ever. It makes no difference how loudly the voices are speaking and how cultured they appear and how moral they see themselves. The self-righteousness talk about proportionality and, about, and, and, and so on and so forth as if Israel was punishing Gaza now. That there's a conversation about proportionality. Proportionality is something you speak about when one side seeks to take retribution on another side to punish the other side. And the question is, well, is it too much of a punishment or, or is the punishment sufficient? What's going on now is not retaliation. What's going on now is making sure that what happened can never, ever, ever, ever happen again. So the word proportion doesn't enter into the conversation. It's irrelevant. There is no proportionality in a conflict where one side seeks to do what it needs to do to prevent evil from manifesting. It will be proportionate when Hamas is completely and utterly decimated. And if Hamas seeks to prevent its people from following the guidance of the IDF to leave the place where it is, even though the situation is untenable and difficult and challenging, that's what war looks like, then that's on them. And that is the truth. And that's what morality looks like. And that's what MS means. So now you and me need to strengthen ourselves more than ever. We need to stand up proud. We need to stand up strong. We need to continue carrying on that torch, that torch, that flame that's glowing gently, that's glowing urgently. And we need to do whatever we can, like I said before, to increase in just speaking the truth. In, in adding light, in adding light and hoping against hope that there are still some decent people left. And there are, by the way. They are, there are. There are many, many, many good, decent, sweet, delicious people left. They're just not getting airtime, but they exist. They do. 
but to hope that even more than them will be able to develop the eyesight to be able to see what is actually going on here and to see the difference. We are not like them. Let's continue to invest in that. Let's continue to do whatever we can to fight our part of the battle, which is mamish to support our soldiers with taking our own Avodah Hashem to the next level in a way of sweetness and kindness and firm strength that can never be swayed. Not now and not ever. Amen va'amen. We should be zeichet to it, Chavra. The piece from Rabbi Nassim, you'll take a look. I'll send maybe out the, the sheets. You can take a look. It's very, very short. It just speaks about anivos. Anivos is the opposite of leitzanos, but we already spoke a lot of that out, right? That the foundation of leitzanos is, is really arrogance. Um, so you can take a look at that there. And just one piece that he says, he says that that's why... Uh, Leitzanus is called a to'eva in the Pasuk. Because what else is called a to'eva? Gaiva. Ta'avas Hashem kol gvalev. Says Rav Nassim, it's one and the same. It's one and the same. Okay, we should merit to strike this balance of mamish holding onto the MS and doing so gently. We should hear good news. Only good news. Besuris Taivas. And let's keep coming back and learning together. Until Mashiach comes. It's very soon. Very, very soon. Let's hold on tight. Chazak v'yamatz. Thank you so much. All the best. Kaltuv.